You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Repack. Bill Belichick would need to win 247 consecutive football games to match Matt LaFleur's win percentage. I'm here with Matub. Say what's up to the people, Matub. What's happening, everybody? My name is Matt, but you can call me Matub. Uh, Acme Packing Company, Meme Smith, and General Twitter, Rabble Rouser. Green Bay Packers win 35-17 against the Detroit Lions on Monday Night Football. Um, was tighter at the half than that score suggests. The Packers rattled off 21 straight in the second half. Matub, how are you feeling about this game? Uh, well, the, the Packers did exactly what they should do. They kicked the ever-loving crap out of a bad team. They had to have some help from some very heavy rain, but they got it done in the end, and I think that's what matters. Yeah, two, what was it, two golf mishaps, uh, There was <laughs> one one golf turnover. So uh, I started counting the heavy rain as a defender, and so heavy rain has... Uh, one forced fumble with a recovery and heavy rain also had one strip sack on third down. Heavy, heavy rain's a box defender too, right? <laughs> He's a box defender. He's not a man in coverage. No, he- heavy rain is definitely the, the defensive tackle that, that weighs over 300 pounds that you've been begging for. Uh, this, this gave me a great opportunity to remind everyone that Jared Goff has small hands, which is one <laughs> of my favorite things. Like Jared Goff has been fumbling footballs um, even in the rain for since he was in college. Um, if you want to look at his first year starting at California, I remember this because I'm an Oregon Ducks fan. Um, they actually pulled him out of the game in like the first or second quarter during a downpour in Eugene um, just because they didn't want to ruin his confidence. He's got small hands. He fumbles the ball a ton, uh, a surprising amount relative to what you would think an NFL quarterback would do, like Phil Rivers level. Um, and he struggled with the rain before and it came in clutch for green Bay in the second half, but goodness gracious, uh, the Sunday scaries uh, showed up on Monday in the first half. That wasn't great. I do got to say, um, I, I am very, it's like on my brand to be very against the way that the NFL measures hand size, uh, because it's actually more of a measure of flexibility than true hand size. I, I, I wear size medium gloves. I have incredibly flexible hands. I have nine and a half inch hands, by the way, the NFL measures them. With that said, caveat, Jared Goff is six foot four. Even if his hands were stumps, he should have nine and a half inch hands. Uh, I remember (laughs) I talked to uh, Hand Talk early in the Packers podcast, but I I talked to Cooper Rush, who's now, I think he's the QB2 in in Dallas right now. during the pre-draft process. And he was telling me like, yeah, dude, like I'm, I have like a, a regimen that I'm going through to like stretch my hands out. Not, not, I don't think it was for the combine. It was for a pro day. So there were, there were stories of, I believe it was Johnny Manziel went to a hand massage therapist before the combine. So he could, cause he already has big hands. And so then anything beyond that would be just freakish. There, there's ways to cheat the combine guys. And a lot, a lot of people are savvy to it. Um, <laughs> vertical jump, squeeze your shoulder blades so you get a couple more inches. Um, 
when they measure you, you know, before when you're just putting your hands up. But let's get back to the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Aaron Rodgers. Is he back? Aaron Rodgers. Is he tanking? Is he throwing games? A lot of people had thoughts. The absolute best thing that you could do as a football fan is watch the ESPN2 broadcast with Peyton Manning. Um, Peyton is a phenomenal resource for the average fan. And he said over and over again, he said, constantly giving Aaron Rodgers cover to is the most insulting thing you can do, because that's saying that your ego is going to mean that you're going to try and force it into double coverage and you're going to try and force the things that aren't there. And you're not going to take the check downs and you're not going to take the swing passes. And I'm over here like, did the Lions watch how many smoke screens were fed to Devontae last year? Like at all? (laughs) Of course, Aaron's going to take those throws. Yeah, I again, I I talked about it last week, you know, when it seemed like people were really actually like concerned about the offense. And um, I talked to A.J. Dillon, I think the day after the game, and he confirmed everything that LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers said in the postgame presser, which was, you know, we thought that uh, the Saints were going to be in basically like uh, pressure zone looks. I mean, Green Bay Packer fans know what Dom Capers looks like. It's something close to that. Um and then they came out in two man and it surprised them. And by the time that they could adjust, uh, New Orleans had already had held the ball and had gone on huge drives where the defensive line just couldn't get the team off the field, chipped in the ball. And between the play clock situation and the score situation, it was just at a point where they can no longer run the ball, which is the answer against that. And we saw them um, really basically Detroit ran the same thing that that new orleans was doing which is hey let's play with two high safeties and just force them to run the ball force them to take check downs and green bay adapted very quickly um they weren't driven off the field and forced to punt early on in the game and they were patient enough to uh whittle them down and then by the second half i mean floodgates right oh absolutely and and that's the thing is is people super concerned about the Packers offense. You didn't see the Packers offense last week. You saw they got six snaps and then they were down like 17 with a minute left in the first half. Exactly. You saw, you saw 36 minutes of the Packers two minute offense against a defense set to stop the two minute offense. This, this was the Packers offense. And I am not concerned about point scoring. I was initially concerned about Eric Stokes as CB two, but he seemed to like really turn it on by the end of the game. The weird thing was they only put Stokes in. So this is something that uh, I paid attention to during the game because whenever Stokes comes in, I'm like, you know, hey, that's not supposed to be there, you know, in terms of like their starting uh, <laughs> coverage. You know, that's that's not how they play base. So he comes in in specific situations. So I figured out that, you know, it's it's really like on fourth downs and like stuff near the goal line when he's coming in. And then they kick Kevin King into the slot. And I guess my question is just like, if when it matters, you want Stokes playing outside corner. One, why is Kevin King starting at outside corner? <laughs> Two, why isn't Kevin King playing in the slot for Shannon Sullivan? I guess that's something that I don't really understand at this point. I mean, we'll get the film probably on, on Wednesday morning and I'll be able to break it down then. But at this point, it's something that they do. I don't know why they do it, but it worked out. I mean, Stokes was out there. I know he got uh, – there was a, a great ball on him once, um, but I think he made like two PBUs. And, you know, last game he came in for for one snap before it was like garbage time. 
um, in, in dime, which they usually don't play again. It was on like a fourth down type of situation and he got a PBU then. So plays are being made when Stokes is on the field and, you know, two thirds of the time it's a positive. Yeah. And, and, uh, I mean, Jair continued to be Jair. I think he, he had, uh, he really only had one reception in garbage time and it was like a drag. So like, who cares? Yeah. Um, Every time he gets tested, I mean, it's a PBU and then he does the little, like, you know, no fly zone thing. Well, my, like, my Why favorite do you guys was, keep doing this? My favorite was, uh, I think it was in the third quarter. The Packers finally gave Goff like a, like a good, I think it was like a single high man look and Kevin King was, was in man on the outside and Goff tested Jair. And it's like, why? Like, that's not the person you throw at bad, bad decisions for Goff. Um, he was eating them up though. I mean, let's talk about that Lions offense and I guess how they kind of got into that situation, you know, in the first half. I mean, the way the Lions offense was operating was basically, uh, Hey, Green Bay, your pass rush can't get home. So we're just going to throw quick stuff and we're fine with taking the check down from a clean pocket. And we're just going to kind of like chip away in the run game. Um, you know, there was that big play uh, drive one on uh, Kevin King. I think it was like a 46 yard reception or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. But they weren't moving the ball in the same way New Orleans was. It wasn't 15 play drives back to back, you know? No, so it was I, it was pretty chunky. Yeah, so that was a positive uh, sign. I think it was in the second half was really when I can't remember if this was in the second half or late in the second quarter, but whenever the Packers stopped the Lions um, as they were like getting near like the warning stripe of the red zone, I guess is the way to explain it. It was like the 30 yard line. That's really the best drive that I'd seen from the Packers, you know, defensive line as a unit the entire season. And I think that's really kind of the pivotal moment that switched the game. Cause once they got that possession, it was just like, all right, let's score some points on them. And then green Bay's defensive plan also changes when they get the lead, which I thought was really interesting. I know a lot of people are talking about how conservative that defense is, um, especially early on in games, but it seems like that's kind of their plan when it's a neutral situation in that, like, okay, make your offense and your run game do the right thing every single time and we will concede that and then once they get a lead that's when the pressure looks start and that's when you know burks comes on the field for for barnes and that's when stokes get gets on the field and kevin king kicks, kicks into the slot and that's when they use their three safety looks and that's when they blitz from depth so it's kind of an interesting way to think about the game but it's just so clear cut as to like what they're doing that it almost makes well, me a little bit uncomfortable it's interesting to think about it in terms of like if you were to look at it as a single drive, right? So the the Packers the Packers defense on first and second down air quotes like when they don't have a major lead is your standard vanilla defense. And then when it's third and long or if the Packers have a big lead, they quote unquote pin their ears back and like start throwing the junk. Yeah, it's not it's not a bad way to do it and on paper, I guess it's like the ideal way to do it. It's just weird that there's like no change up but at the, this point where thing, it's just very predictable. Like I, I I am probably one of the most vocal Joe Barry dislikers on the Internet. Um, and uh, so credit where it's due. The, the second half definitely was a big change. But things I didn't like about seeing early on, like it's very obvious that the Lions are doing a lot of check downs and a lot of little things but Barry puts no defenders in the flat, like where, you know, someone yeah. is going to be like, what the hell? <laughs> well, 
Well, when you're out of a too high structure, you really don't have a choice unless you're going to spin it and go to cover three post snap. But exactly. if you're in too high, you you're either playing cover two and and playing the flats, right? But then you only have two zone defenders deep. So if two guys on the same side of the formation run vertical, one's wide open. But I guess or I, you I can play like, quarters and then you cover things deep, but you don't cover things shallow. But I, I was also seeing the the inside backers kind of cheating inside as if they were looking for like um, inside runs. And then you would see stuff kind of leak out to the flat, which I guess is, is fair if 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 you think you're going to bail out to, to stop the run, which Jamal Williams was kind of eating early on. So I, like I get it. But eh, see, look at me talking my way out of hating Joe Barry. <laughs> <laughs> the, the structure again, the structure isn't necessarily bad. Uh, the results aren't great. I mean, top thing on the defense. Um, it's been two weeks. They don't have a tackle for loss. That's wow. wow. That's crazy. That's not great. Um, they're not getting a ton of pressure. Uh, they got a sack, but the sack came from uh, Jared Goff's very small hands, <laughs> letting loose of the football and then falling back onto it um, with, I think it was Gary who was in the area. Um, but yes. back on the coverage thing, I mean, if you talk to college coaches and NFL coaches, their perspective on like how to play coverage is very different because of the quarterbacks that they're able to see. So like, for example, this is a really good example in the game actually was the touchdown on Devondre Campbell, right? In the end zone mm-hmm. um, where he, he basically gets dotted. I mean, he plays, he plays that coverage about as good as you can ask for, for a linebacker in that situation. But if the quarterbacks can make those throws, it doesn't matter how tight the coverage is. So a lot of sure. these, a lot of the ways that these NFL defensive coordinators think is like, in zone, we're really just like trying to rally to the ball. We don't want tight coverage because if we get tight coverage on Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes is back there, it doesn't matter how tight that coverage is because it could get busted wide open for a touchdown. It, it's kind of a weird way to look at it where like, I guess college football is like more coverage based than the NFL. Everything is like, can we make this muddy enough pressure wise <laughs> to mess up the quarterback's progression? Um, Packers defensive line. Not really getting it done. That, that's still a big uh, worry factor for me. I mean, Rashawn Gary, it's it's going to be a bull rush, and if he doesn't get home, then he's going to lose contain. Well, and did then, you see? Did you see Gary getting absolutely blanked by tight ends? I think it was Hawkinson. Yeah, like well, and, Hawkinson's good at it, and you're not going to see that every week. But well, the, the, next the week is Kittle. Issue, well, the big issue was there was there was no press from up the middle, and so. Uh, Gary would, was relying on his speed to power. I think is is that the term, the speed mm-hmm. to power move. And so then all Goff had to do was take one step forward, and then Gary would just go right by him. Yeah, there was a that Jameis play uh, last week. I think it was on third down, or Gary lost contain and mm-hmm. ended up run, and Jameis ended up running. They had two shots at Jameis last week. It was that one, and then uh, Kenny Clark up the middle, and he wasn't able to get him uh, in open space, but. Kenny Clark's like a two, uh, 330 pounder. So I'm not necessarily, you know, he, he's not going to make open field tackles like that all the time. He's probably not practicing it very much. Right. I, I don't, I don't blame the dude who's, who's supposed to take up two gaps as well as rush the passer for not being able to take someone in open space. Right. I'm, I'm still a little concerned about this front though. And I mean, I'm very concerned about this front. You and I have both been concerned about this front for months. Yeah, it's I mean, that was one of my big things where you guys asked me like day one when I got into Acme Packing Co. You guys were like, who's your sleeper to make the roster? And I was like, Heflin, they don't have any three 300 pounders on the defensive line. They got like four of them. 
and we're seeing what those four look like right now and it could be better it could be better if the slack chat logs were ever released to the public they would see that you literally spent two months going are they going to sign another 300 pounder or not yeah (laughs) i mean they they still i mean kwan shorts out there right i mean really would not would not be the uh worst idea um the pass rushers off the bench still aren't really given anything i think preston's had a great start to 2021 um as far as i guess like relative to expectations yeah. he's certainly I, I think, playing better than he I was think last ju- year juxtaposed against 2020 where he was half slot corner half <laughs> uh half rusher and then especially without without zadarius there today which uh, the whole back injury thing do you think he's back after three weeks i sure hope so Sure hope so. I mean, he's on the sideline. Uh, he wasn't wearing the chain that he apparently commissioned for, for the uh, captain pendant or whatever. Um, he wasn't wearing that. I actually paused on my YouTube TV when they showed him on the sideline because I was like, is he wearing it? I was, have to I, was worry on about the, this? I was on the ESPN app. So us as cord cutting millennials, I guess. I Oh, I did a disgusting thing today as far as cord cutting millennial. I put uh, I put it on ESPN on the big screen on mute and then little screen. I had it ESPN too. So I could watch like the, listen to the Manning cast. Yeah. Um, the, the Manning cast is fun to listen to, but the fact that they take up a third of the screen real estate with their zoom call is, is kind of crap. You got to two screen it and you just gotta, you gotta embrace the football gremlin in you. <laughs> All right. I think, I think next time I'll, I'll give that a shot. I, I have a hot take for the defense. Hit me. Devondre Campbell. Best inside linebacker in Green Bay since Des Bishop. Oh, and that's sad to say because he's like, he's like replacement level. He's he's a jag. Yeah, <laughs> but he's our jag. He's our, he's our jag. But I guess why is it that why is it Devondre Campbell who comes in and he's career mediocre linebacker comes in and is a mediocre linebacker for us? It's an upgrade. Why is it that he comes in and he's like that when uh, Blake leaves and he's great in New York? I I don't know. And that might have been a Penton thing because Penton liked to walk Zedarius over the center so much. Um, you know, even all the we, we we always talk about like the dime defense, right, that he would always try to match up with. And it's not really conducive to like actual NFL level linebacker play. So it doesn't surprise me that a guy doesn't develop in that type of system where, I mean, this is pretty close to as true of a three, four as you're going to get at the NFL level right now, what you're seeing from Joe Barry. Um, they move the defensive ends inside more. So they're more like defensive tackles than actually defensive ends. But as far as the linebackers go, it's, it's pretty true three, four. So I'm not surprised that, that Devondre is looking good here. So I'm not the, I'm not the scheme guy that you are. I don't think anyone on staff is the scheme guy that you are, but I did notice. I'm trying to get Ryan. I'm trying to get Ryan, but he's getting tired of watching the two-hour college coaching clinics to learn about like match quarters. <laughs> Fair like, enough. I had, I had to pause it like ten times to get like one thing, and I was like, "Ah, I'm I'm trying so hard." And and it's kind of my my uh, brand of being the funny guy who secretly knows a little more than he leads on. And and I've learned so much from you in the last few months. Something that I did notice was there was a lot of, uh, I guess, kind of like like two down with with two stand-up backers so like like a four-man front i guess like a like a two four kind of kind of look was that would that be more like the nickel looks yeah for sure i mean that's kind of like the standard nickel that you're gonna get with uh three four teams and 
it's really not that it's really not any different than like what uh four three teams do in nickel really what the packers are doing that's different than everyone else is they're playing true base three four a lot so if you get if you have two tight ends on the field or a tight end and a fullback um doesn't really matter because most fullbacks are basically just blocking tight ends in terms of like personnel. Um, they'll, they'll match you with heavy guys. Um, and the biggest difference between that and last year is Petten was trying to play dime with the safety in the box, basically. Um, okay. And you're really not getting that in Green Bay. Like sometimes they do three safety stuff. They did it one time today um, where they added Amos in at inside linebacker, but it's always in pressure looks. Whereas like Petten, would just do it on like base downs and then Shanahan would just be like, I'm going to run it at you. The, swear, uh, swear to God, I'll do it. <laughs> the Amos inside linebacker snap you're referring to wasn't King in the slot for that snap. Yep. All, all the, yeah, basically like any play that's like a weird pressure look um, and is like weird personnel. It's King in the slot Stokes outside, which again is very interesting to me because I don't understand how you get there and then say, I want, King outside and Shannon Sullivan in the slot for most of the game, you know, in nickel. So how, how does this look for next week when we go up against someone like like a Kyle Shanahan who's going to see that and say, OK, Kevin King is in the slot. There's going to be some kind of weird exotic pressure or I'm going to put Kyle Juszczyk back there. He's going to get matched up with a heavy guy and he can outrun them. Like, how, how's that going to look moving forward? <sighs> oh, man. If I had the answers for that, I mean, the the one saving grace is that they're so banged up in their offensive skill positions outside of the guys that you just named um, that it's tough for him to move the ball a little bit. I mean, Jimmy's not playing good football. Use check. I don't know if he's hurt. I know he definitely got hurt in the game. I don't know if he came back. Um, Kittle, definitely just a matchup nightmare. But at wide receiver, I mean, Ayuk was supposed to be their top guy, and he's apparently in the doghouse. Um, he played this past game after being, I think he was a healthy scratch in week one, but I don't think he even got a target. And then at running back, they're just kind of a mess. I mean, Mostert already got banged up. Um, I think Hasty, who came in, got a little banged up. He was kind of like their third down back. And then Trey Sermon was out there, I think literally for one play, got concussed and fumbled. Um, so not... Yikes. Yeah, it was pretty tough look for him this past week. So if there's any saving grace for, you know, San Francisco, it's that they don't have their quarterback situation figured out their backfields a mess and they don't know who their wide receivers are. <laughs> but I mean, use check and Kittle are really the matchup guys. That'll be really interesting to see what they do. Um, I think Detroit came out with a good game plan. They just didn't have the dogs for it. You know, that sure, offensive line was getting at them for a while, but at some point it's just, hard to keep up with Aaron Rodgers in terms of scoring. And I guess that's Joe Barry's plan, right? Play that vanilla defense early on. And then once you build up the lead, Hey, exotic pressures. See, and I would have just, if, if I was Detroit, I would have just given Jamal Williams 35 carries. And cause he was, well, he was averaging like five yards a carry early on in the game. It's like, let him go. Who cares? Again, green Bay has not had a tackle for loss this season. <laughs> they had a sack and it was because Jared Goff dropped the ball because it was raining and he had small hands. Oh, the, the, something I wanted to bring up uh, the intentional grounding play, not intentional grounding. Yes. I mean, he was outside the tackle box and he was also hit as he threw. Yeah. But the, the weird thing about that is the tackle also drifted outside of the tackle box. So like the ref's perception of it isn't great you know what i mean like he's looking at he's looking at the tackle as like 
you you are where you started at the beginning of the play. You know, okay. it's okay. like one of those things. There were a couple bad. I mean, that was kind of an iffy call. Um, the Royce Newman holding in the red zone was a bad call. At least it happened on first down. Uh, the Packers, frankly, got bailed out <laughs> in the red zone on another play. I think it was like third and one. Oh, the, um, the, pass, the pass interference that wasn't even. Yeah. Catchable. <laughs> yeah, that was that was bad. I mean, they, I was listening to the Manning cast and they were talking about they were like, yeah, he Rodgers clearly can't grip the ball right there. That's why I mm-hmm. came out like that. And they just got bailed out. The refs missed what? That's at least three calls. Today. So the well in the um the I, I was getting into it with some Lions fans on Twitter because the the intentional grounding call was kind of bad. However, the only reason that that third down was manageable in the first place is Adrian Amos was being held with two handfuls of jersey that wasn't called. So there yeah. there were there were missed calls. There were bad calls. It's just you know human error. You know what the worst rule in football at any level is? Um. Uh, fumble out the end zone. No, that's a great rule. Protect, <laughs> I know, protect, I know. Protect the football. <laughs> protect the football. No, in high school football, there's no, uh, there's no, uh, what would you say? Like throwing out of bounds. What? Yeah. If you're in high school football and you run boot and it's covered, you have to hold the ball on the sideline and throw it to a wide receiver. You can't throw it out of bounds. Why? I don't know. And it's, it's so like dangerous. kind of dangerous. It's bad. It's a bad rule. It's a bad rule. I, I think every, every state other than Texas, I guess in it. the, in the red zone, you could like throw it over their heads out the back of the end zone. But other than that, yeah, you're kind of hosed. Yeah. It's, it's a bad rule. Um, in general, they stopped the run game better than I thought they would. The yeah, Packers. So it, it, it wasn't an absolute sieve or a travesty. It's just Jamal was kind of eating, but like in, in the, uh, um, how can I put this in the workhorse back style? Like he wasn't yeah. chunking. He was just getting good runs. Yeah. It's just like two or three yard plays for the most part, which is nice. I mean, you'd like again to see a single tackle for loss in the first eight quarters of football that you play in the season. You're definitely going to need them against San Francisco. Um, well, I mean, Tyler Lancaster was being literally shown his own butt. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't get it. The The thing with Lancaster, if you're going to have Lancaster out there, have him play nose tackle and let Kenny Clark play end and kind of pin his ears back and be in that more penetrating role, because you're not going to get you're not going to get penetration from Lancaster. That's not his game at all. No. I mean, how do you think uh, how do you think Kenny Clark would do in that like three four end? I don't know, like Aaron Donald, JJ Watt, pseudo pass rusher kind of uh, role. I'd like to see it. I mean, we got to change something up. <laughs> it's not the worst idea. Saying, "Hey, Tyler Lancaster, actually, you're a nose tackle." Uh, I think that's pretty fair. the The one thing that I would be worried about is running his legs like that this early in the season at his weight, I don't know if that would have to be something that like would have to be a plan this off season so that he would have to drop weight to be able to play like a 16 or 17 game schedule plus playoffs. Um, I guess you, you'd have to ask the uh, sports science guys about that more than me, but that's just my general general take on that. Cause <laughs> I, I don't really see, I mean, Kiki isn't, I had high hopes for Kiki uh, coming into the year. Um, he was looking good down the stretch, but we haven't really seen it so far. 
I think we all had high hopes for Kiki. He seemed to be the as the as the uh, resident acne packing company Everyman. I can tell you that the Everyman fandom was big on Kiki taking a step up. One one of the interesting things defensively, as long as like we're just talking about personnel, because we already hit on King. King is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> the defensive line is a problem. Um, Barnes isn't necessarily playing poorly, but I do wonder. You know, once they get into the, if they ever decide to start like blitzing more and stuff, how enticed they would be to add Burks into the lineup over Barnes. Yeah, Barnes is, it, it's kind of bad when you are playing at replacement level and still being like a, a key part of the defense. It's Barnes is, Barnes is a concern moving forward. Yeah. And, and Burks, if nothing else, I mean, he he can fly from depth. I mean, if you watch some of those preseason uh, snaps, I mean, the the speed, you can't fake speed. And well, the fact it, that he can blitz from depth is uh, tremendous in, in the type of, like, disguised defense that they were showing. And, and again, maybe it doesn't matter if they're just playing base at the beginning of games, but later on, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Burks ends up playing, like, a lot of second halves. And and the way Burks was used in the preseason reminded me a lot of early um, when Clay Matthews moved inside. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, yes, he was there to help with the run. But then you'd also see him get skinny through the A gap, like because he was the most athletic person that we could put there at the time. And it just I, I saw this and I was like, yes, like like we're going to see some exotic blitzes. And, and then we didn't. <laughs> Yeah, and I I kind of thought that that was going to be their changeup coming into this week after playing so vanilla, you know. Um, McDuffie was activated for the first time. I f- assume he got in special team snaps or something he, like that. Was he actually active or was he dropped for Equinominius? No, because they didn't need to because you can bring up two guys from the practice squad on game day and have a 55-man roster to pick oh. from. Very odd rules. I don't understand why the NFL is doing it this way, but... I guess well, uh, I hope it stays. Anything that increases uh, active wow. possibilities. No new normal, Matub. No new normal. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, so when when McDuffie was activated, I kind of thought like, oh, they need two guys for the like blitzing linebacker role. I wonder if Burks gets the start. And obviously that didn't happen. He got in in some like dime pressure looks, but that was pretty much it. Um, speaking of changes, John Runyon Jr. at left guard. John Ring. So John Runyon Jr. Um, a, a pretty good college tackle with T-Rex arms was always kind of expected to move into guard, but I was surprised to see him on the left side. Yeah, I didn't, I wasn't expecting that at all. The fact that, yeah, Patrick is cleared to play football, but John Runyon Jr. is starting. Um, was not, was not ready for that plot twist. Cause obviously, you know, Savage was also a guy who was listed as questionable and he ended up starting today. So, yeah, well also, I mean, Lucas Patrick, can uh how can we put this he can lose spectacularly whereas i don't believe i've ever seen runyon lose spectacularly just regular beaten yeah newman is uh he's getting beat up a little bit yeah well he's he's young he's got a couple but you know what's um i i'm very happy that we're not hearing josh meyer's name at all and i think that's the best thing i can say about him yeah centers are almost like long snappers where it's like, uh, if I hear you, it's bad. Like what's his name? Uh, Macari from Baltimore. All I know about that guy is he can't snap a football. (laughs) That's, that's not good. 
Um, well, the, the, the only time the Everyman fandom has been aware of a long snapper's name was one when they brought Brett Good back out of uh, retirement and two, Hunter Bradley being terrible. People don't know don't know long snappers outside of that. And centers, you get a little bit more like like when Corey Lindsley was a rookie, Aaron Rodgers was pounding the table. He's like, this guy needs a Pro Bowl. He's playing like a Pro Bowl center as a rookie. This is ridiculous. Ever since then, Packer fans have been at least aware of him. But the fact that no one remembers Josh Meyer's name is the best thing I can say about that kid. Speaking of long snappers, you see the Rams. We got the right long snapper in yes. situation. <laughs> we, we got the Rams long snapper on practice squad. We got. Uh, Bajorquez punting, and he does. Hey, man, Bajorquez. They said he has a boot. He does, in fact, have a boot. I can confirm. Do you think? Do you think at the end of the game, Rogers took that long sack to give Bajorquez more room for just a big kick to like make up for the uh, jersey swap snub? That he gave <laughs> I guess more like make right. Bajorquez is a very good deep punter, maybe not necessarily a directional punter, and so. Rogers giving he up pinned that extra. one right on the sideline though i mean he it was did, like did. a yard it, and but and that that was surprising especially in the in the uh rain and um pat mcafee was losing his mind that he couldn't uh commentate that kick because peyton was in the middle of telling a story <laughs> of course but uh yeah so the the pork is kick that should have been pinned inside the 10 but then the coverage team gave up like a 10 yard return um was right after Rodgers took like a really deep sack on third down and I just felt like it was almost like, hey, Corey, here's here's an extra 15 yards. Kick the kick the living piss out of it. Offensively, so Equinamus St. Brown was activated. He got one reception, zero yards. He well, um, I thought it was one yard. I thought it was is it I'm looking at the box zero? score? Yeah, they they gave him zero. Oh, they snubbed him. Shenanigans. He got one. MVS, zero receptions, four targets. Um I, I kind of blame Rogers on that though. Um, there was there was the one where MVS legit stumbled, and that was not on yeah. Rodgers. But there was the the first target was definitely Aaron doing his classic like I'm throwing at pass interference thing. Yes, that was um, the one that hit off of. Uh, damn, what's yeah, his name? His brother's yeah. in the league. Yeah, it hit him. Hit hurt. him in the in the back of the helmet, like was right on the back of the head. Like <laughs> it, that little dot that they got on the back of the helmet, it like beamed him right there, like where you pump in like the air into it just get him right there <laughs> so so that one that one I, you knew like was rogers not actually targeting mbs it was him going after the packers third best wide receiver defensive pass interference um uh, melifonwu and then when melifonwu got hurt they tried to go vertical with mbs again um b- well, bad idea to test a melifonwu deep those guys can run and that's all they can do is run every <laughs> melifonwu who's ever came, come into the league all that dude can do is run. So he was running stride for stride with MVS, uh, kind of locked him down for what the better part of like two and a half quarters. And then sure. once he went out the very next play, and I even tweeted it out before uh, the drive, I was like, if Melifon was out, they're going to test MVS, you know, when they get in the middle of the field next time. Sure as shit. I mean, they just throw it deep down the sideline to uh, MVS on the backup cornerback that came in and uh, they weren't oh, able I to believe- connect, but. I believe that corner was also a converted safety. I remember seeing some lines talking about how um, they had some converted safety in, and people were screaming. They're like, it's the second week. Why is there a safety playing corner? Yeah, they're, they're getting eat, eaten at defensive back. It's not great. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, the Lions, they're like kind of a football team. 
But the, the Lions are are the definition of a rebuild. Like they're trying so hard, knowing that they're not going to do well. The good thing is that they're like getting little wins. I guess if you're looking at it from like a Lions perspective, if if you're one, I always talk about it on the uh, SB Nation NFL show. Like all those guys who are like leadership culture guys, like you're seeing it with Urban right now. If you lose big, like you're going to lose the locker room pretty quick, and that's a pretty tough thing to to uh, come back from. At least the Lions, like, they're sticking in, like, the first half of this game. They contested San Francisco at the second half of last game. You know, I, I think those are, like, positives for for Dan Campbell moving forward because it's like, what what else could you have asked for, you sure. know, coming out of these first two weeks that, like, hey, for six quarters we contended with the Niners and the Packers. Like, you take that. And that's the the one positive I will say about Campbell being associated with the 0-16 Lions is that he knows what it's like to be in a losing locker room. And so he knows what it would take to keep the guys engaged. A hundred percent. And the fact that he's a player probably like actually helps. I know a lot of people were like, boohoo, you're giving these guys, we're looking at a small talent pool and it's just nepotism. But like, I'm sure being in an NFL structure for that long, like actually helps. And if you're going to be that type of a coach specifically, I'm, I'm sure it's something that you want in your tool belt. Um, offensively, Robert Tanyan. What Actually a game. got multiple yards after catch multiple times. They hit him like what? They got like the two tight end screens when the safeties were playing like 50 yards off. And mm-hmm. then uh, that I think it was a yeah, it must have been a post. It was indie. It was an indie concept. It's like uh, it's like a post route uh, for the corner route on like double China um, against cover two, which that was an amazing play. I mean, <laughs> that, that ball, that ball is nuts. Cause Anzalone has a man coverage and you still have to fit the ball in between two high safeties. And what, what blew me away was Lazard was wide open for a first down and Rogers was like, nah, touchdown. I mean, it's once you see, once you see man, you know what your man beating route is. If that I mean, makes but, sense. But Lazard you know? was also on a man beating route. He was on like a, like a Texas almost like a kind of an angle. Yeah, but it, it's almost one of those things where you're looking at a pre-snap, you know, where you're yeah, like, all right, fair. if they play it, man, I'm just going to throw this and I'm going to try my best to throw this ball. That was did, did you see Manning's reaction to that? Oh, he looked like he was going to explode. He, he creamed his jeans like on, yeah. on national television. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he was going to freak out. He needs to take a cold shower. <laughs> There's actually uh, someone posted a video of it. But yeah, so it's it's out there. Manning enjoyed the throw probably more than any Packer fan did. How did Kenny Clark get five tackles and no tackles for loss? Uh, Kenny Clark made a lot of cleanup tackles, and I believe he made uh, two tackles like at the line of scrimmage. That's fair. One of which, <laughs> one of which, I'm ninety percent sure was just Jamal Williams just being really goddamn strong. We did it for Ted. We did it for Ted. I'm looking at my list of of notes I want to hit. We did it for Ted. Don't lose sight. This was the Ted Thompson game. This was also uh, Aaron Jones. Uh, uh, eulogy for his father yeah uh did you see the uh post-game interview he he had um a necklace with some of his father's ashes in it and lost it in the end zone not great he said the uh, grounds crew was looking for it yeah, but you Hopefully know what they I, found it by now i believe his follow-up line was if there's ever a place to lose it it's in the end zone yeah he, he was <laughs> like yeah my dad told me or he was like i think my dad would be okay with me losing it in the end zone Compared to like anywhere else, you know what? There, there are certain things that I would be okay with, and if someone lost some of my ashes after scoring a touchdown in the end zone at Lambeau Field, I think I'd be okay. 
All right, let's wrap this up. Let's <laughs> think about vibes. Let's rank vibes right All now right. out yeah. of 10. Vibes for the offense out of 10. Uh, seven. Seven. I'm probably a little higher. I'm I, Okay, how about this? I'm a hard seven, soft eight. That's fair. How much of that is Royce Newman? <laughs> uh, Royce Newman is the is is the keeps he's it from being a point. A, yeah, he's worth a point at least. I think. Yeah, at I think this he, point. I think it keeps it from being a hard eight. That'll be interesting. I mean, if if John Runyon can prove that he can play some ball, I mean, that becomes a competition once Bakhtiari's off of IR. Right? I think you know what would would raise my vibe by a full point if they brought in Brandon Jackson once again as a coaching intern to teach AJ Dillon how to block. Was it bad? I didn't know. He got, he was not, for a guy as big as he is, he was not as sticky as he should have been. Hmm. He he wasn't, he wasn't straight up embarrassed, but if, when you rewatch the game, just keep an eye on AJ Dillon. And it it reminded me of, of early Aaron Jones. Defensive vibes out of 10. Five, like on a good day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, a five that's held very lightly. Like, uh, like I was, I was a like a soft two early on in the game, but then Eric Stokes not being an embarrassment in the fourth quarter brought me back. Yeah, uh, a full point, a point and a half, honestly, is king for me. Oh and then God. Lancaster's a point, and Lowry's a point. That oh. that's kind of how it works. And then I guess Barnes is like a quarter of a point. We quarter need to of see, a vibe. We need to see Heflin. We need to see Heflin. I, okay, so I had this take like two minutes into the game. Why can't you just use Cobb for all the Amari stuff? Oh my God! Why does Amari that, need to be active? That punt return was the most embarrassing thing. He had I twenty. Have seen. He had twenty yards Ooh. and got like two yards. Why does Amari need to be on the team and Heflin isn't active? Because they very clearly need more defensive linemen. Well, especially when uh, Kylan Hill was pretty good on kickoff returns. What I said, I said it in the APC Slack. I was like, "What can Kylan Hill or what can Amari do that Kylan Hill can't?" I don't um, get it. Nepotism. <laughs> Goodness gracious! Uh, since it, we're touching on special teams, vibes, special teams out of ten. Uh, um, okay, so the, that was one of the most average special teams uh, plays I've ever seen by the Packers, and that is a massive compliment. Yeah, <laughs> so the, I, their, their kickoff return was solid. They have a punter, and I'm like. Yeah, this is the best special teams that I've seen in like a decade and a half. I think that they are a good gunner away from being a legitimately good special team, so I'm going to give them a seven. Yeah, the fact I don't I don't know who the gunner was, but the fact that they weren't able to pin down that Bohorquez punt was not a great sign. So like like because okay. someone should have been right there. Do you remember Jeff Janis versus the Cowboys and how he was in Whitehead's face every single punt? Yep. With and and I think that was. Shit, was that Tim Maste? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so not a phenomenal punter. If they had someone a la MVS, let's just say, let's just put MVS as a gunner. I think that that is a knockdown, drag out top 10 special teams. I wouldn't disagree. We just got to get into Mari's ear. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, got to say, I, hey, man, you got to do something else with that punt. I don't know what you got to do, but it, it can't be that. <laughs> All right, uh, so co- collective vibes, collective coll- vibes for collective the team. Collective vibes. Uh, the team did what I wanted them to do. The team did what I expected them to do, and they freaking covered an eleven and a half point spread when they didn't even lead at all in the first half. So, like, 
soft eight. Soft eight. Vibes uh, going into the San Francisco game on a short week. I'm terrified. I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> just yep. terrified. I'm very scared. Again, I, I think it's probably like close to a toss up just because of everything that's going on with San Francisco's offense right now. Um, defensively, you know, they lost Jason Verrett again, which really hurts them. Um, they were struggling in the secondary this past weekend, but goodness gracious, I feel like that's one of the things where it's like, we'll know like two drives in, but going into the game, no one has a clue. So um, prior to the Lions game, the spread was Niners three and a half. Um, I think that might move a little bit. But uh, I don't know. I don't. Uh, hmm. It's either going to be Packers by a little or Niners by a lot. Yeah, I think that's fair. I can't imagine Green Bay winning a blowout in that situation. They'll want to kill. They'll want to pop the football. And yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think Jimmy G can go into a shootout with Aaron. You know, <laughs> it's going to be one of those things where it's like Niners get the lead early. They pop the football. They leave with the win. Or it's a shootout and Green Bay ends up just overcoming it like this game against Detroit. Yeah, I think the big advantage this year is the Packers defense has shown that it can actually tackle. So <laughs> Solid improvement. A lot of people think that you need to do that on the defensive side of the ball. It turns out that's important. Again, Devondre Campbell. Best yeah. linebacker since Des Bishop. Um, it really? Des Bishop is what you're going with? Who else would it have been? Barnett? Nick I mean, Barnett. Nick Barnett was an All Pro in twenty. But Bishop was after that. Oh, it was. He what? God, how old am I? Oh, you're losing <laughs> it. It's the Bourbons. It is. Uh, I've I've had a couple, two, three. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, tell the people where they can follow you. Okay, you can find me on Twitter at Call Me Matub. Um, you can find me on Acme Packing Company. Everything is under Matub. I'm generally a humor uh, columnist. I do some video content. Uh, follow me if you like humor and memes just like really bad memes <laughs> there we go uh i'm justice mosquito you can find me on twitter at j-u-m-o-s-q read acme packing company please click on ads if you need to you know <laughs> we, we don't discourage that um but yeah we'll see you guys next week <laughs>